Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nahum Siegel Network. And I'm pleased to be here with Councilman Eric Ulrich, City Councilman Eric Ulrich of the 32nd Councilmanic District of New York City. And as we've talked about in the past couple of weeks, there is a special election coming up on far- February 26th, Tuesday, February 26th. And it is a special election, the first citywide special election in the history of New York City. It's a wide open election with, uh, I think, 17 candidates on the ballot. And Eric Ulrich is the, uh, there are no party labels. So he's running on the common sense party line. And Councilman Ulrich, welcome to Spin Class. Thanks for joining us. Michael, thanks for having me. Great to be here. So uh, let's just uh, get into the race. Before we get into the race, let's just talk about who you are, where you come from, and why this race is why you're running why are you running for public advocate you know and we can i guess discuss what is the public advocate what is the role when we get to it michael i'm a parent i'm a public servant i'm a proud new yorker i'm running for public advocate because i think it's time that someone stand up to mayor de blasio and his leftist socialist agenda at city hall Uh, We have uh, an absentee mayor right now in Bill de Blasio. He spends more time in New Hampshire and Iowa uh, running for president than he he does actually addressing the day-to-day issues that are facing average New Yorkers. So if there ever was a time to have a citywide elected official that was willing to stand up to the mayor and fight for the uh, concerns of the middle class and the people in the outer boroughs in particular, I call them the forgotten New Yorkers, now is that time, and that's why I'm running for public advocate. And you're relatively young, but you've been in the council for quite some time. So talk for a second about why you decided to run in the first place. I mean, give us an idea, give the audience an idea of who is, you know, what, what is the politician and the person uh, of Eric Ulrich? You've been in the council 10 years, which is a long time given the term limits, but you came, came into the council at a very young age. I was elected to the city council in a nonpartisan special election, much like this one. Uh, in February of 2009, and I've been reelected to my council seat three times since. Uh, I came in, of course, when Mayor Bloomberg was in office, who was a great mayor, a great friend, a great New Yorker. Uh, even all the people now that I talk to that used to complain about Bloomberg, I said, boy, the, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. <laughs> Compared to this guy, I think people would give Bloomberg a fourth term if we had a chance to do that. But I ran for city council at a young age. I was only 23 or 24 years old. I was elected. And a lot of people thought that I couldn't win. It's a Democratic district, three to one. It's uh, now it's non-white majority. And in my most recent re-election, Michael, I got 66% of the vote. So what I like to tell people is whatever I'm doing, it must be working because uh, half the Democrats in my district are voting for me. The Republicans are pleased with me and people are getting good uh, constituent services, which I think is at the heart of any good elected officials, how effectively you are able to help the people that you want to represent and what you want to do for them. It's not about me personally. It's about what I can do for others. And that's why I ran for office 10 years ago. It's why I'm running today for public advocate, because I think that I can give a voice to the law-abiding, tax-paying, voting citizens of this city who feel neglected, disrespected, and quite frankly, ignored by the current administration. So I'm running for public advocate to give a voice to people who feel like they don't have one, and that was the same reason why I ran for city council 10 years ago. So you alluded to this for a second about winning in a district that's uh, definitely predominantly Democratic. New York City itself is even more Democratic, even more lopsided. 
If people say to you, I don't think a Republican can possibly win in New York City, citywide, it's been a long time since that happened. And with Bloomberg, he wasn't really a Republican. He changed, he became an independent. So really, you know, a true Republican was probably Rudy Giuliani back in 1997. That's a long time ago. Why do you think you can win this race? This is a nonpartisan special election, as you indicated earlier. There are no party labels on the ballot. If you are a staunch Democrat uh, or if you're a diehard liberal, and you love Bill de Blasio and you think he's doing a fantastic job, number one, seek professional help. Number two, uh, you have 15 other candidates to choose from in this election. They'll be splitting their vote. I don't need 51% to win this race, Michael. I don't need 40%. There is no runoff. This is a nonpartisan citywide special election, and whoever gets the most votes wins. Conceivably, I could win with 30% of the vote or 29% of the vote if that is the margin of victory and, and the most votes in this race. Who do you see as your opponents? I have 17 people. There are obviously tiers of candidates. I mean, do, do you look at this field as being just wide open or there's a leading contender or there's somebody that you see as being uh, the the target of somebody you have to you kind of have to go after well the only person i think that i have to go after is the mayor the job of the public advocate is to be a check on the mayor not a rubber stamp the other candidates in this race have all endorsed de blasio all supported mayor de blasio in the past they are part of the mayor's so-called progressive agenda um, as far as the other candidates in this race are concerned some of them are very impressive some of them uh, i think have a lot of good ideas i wouldn't vote for any of them uh, because i don't think they represent the values of my community or the people that I know. Uh, but I think it's wide open. Anyone can win this race. There are a lot of very prominent elected officials uh, who happen to be Democrats who are in this race. Melissa Mark Vavrito, Assemblyman Michael Blake, Councilman Jamani Williams, Rafael Espinal. I don't want to give too much uh, name recognition to too many right, of them. Right, never but talk the, about the opponents. But exactly, but those are, those are the main contenders. Danny O'Donnell, Manhattan. Um, but all of them are basically reading from the same script. I'm the only one who's different in this race. And if you saw the debate on New York One last week or you've been following the race on social media, you will know that there is a big difference between me and the other people in this race. On a number of issues. I mean, it was kind of clear, as said afterward, is that it was everybody on one side and Eric Ulrich on the other side. Well, they want to keep they want to close Rikers Island. I say reform it, renovate it, keep it open. I don't want to build jails and residential communities. They all endorse congestion pricing. I'm opposed to congestion pricing because I believe it's a commuter tax on the outer boroughs. It's going to hurt working class people. It's going to hurt small businesses in Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island and the Bronx. So I'm against congestion pricing, and they're all for congestion pricing. I believe that the public advocate needs to be a check on the mayor they are all going to be a rubber stamp for the mayor so there are big differences ideologically and politically in this race that is why it is so important that your listeners and the people who are coming out to vote on february 26th understand the differences between the candidates so this show reaches a primarily jewish audience and we always try and get jewish issues to the fore when we talk about it uh you've had a long time friendship and uh relationship with the Jewish community in New York City, not just in your district, but beyond the district. And talk for a second about why this race should matter to the Jewish community in New York City, uh, whether they be Orthodox, Hasidic, non-Orthodox. I mean, let's, let's talk about that for a second. I think that the Jewish vote in this election is critical for any candidate to win. We are expecting to turn out to be abysmally low, maybe 400,000 citywide. 
conceivably, if 40,000 religious Jews in the outer boroughs come out and vote, that's 10% of the electorate on election day. They could literally tip the scales uh, in favor of one candidate over another. Uh, I have a very close relationship uh, for years, uh, for as long as I've been in office, with uh, the Rabbanim and the, um, you know, the civ civilian leaders, if you will, of, of the in the Jewish community. I am a staunch supporter of yeshiva education and, and school choice. By the way, I send my own daughter to a Catholic school. I'm Catholic, not Jewish. I think people know that. But I believe very firmly in the rights of parents to send their children to religious schools, whether it be yeshiva, a charter school, or a Catholic school. I think the government ought to do more to support those parents, not to harass them with unfunded mandates and intrusive policies that I think are a violation of people's religious liberties. I support religious liberty and religious freedom. I don't know any other candidate in this race that will openly endorse and support uh, yeshiva education and the rights of parents to send their child to the school of their choosing based on their own conscience and their religious beliefs. That is a fundamental difference, again, between me and the other candidates in this race. I will stand shoulder to shoulder with my friends in the Jewish community against the State Department of Education, against the City Department of Education, and anyone who tries to infringe on the religious liberties of New Yorkers who, quite frankly, don't deserve it. Why do you think yeshivas are under attack, or, or yeshivas and Catholic schools are under attack right now? I mean, what is it? Is it, is it politics? Is there some underlying... I think it's anti-Semitism. And, and, and I say that again. I'm not Jewish. I say that as a non-Jew. But I believe that if you look at the rise of anti-Semitism, look what we're hearing right now in the Congress. Stuff that we're hearing coming out of the mouths of members of Congress that we thought only came out of the mouths of radical activists who are pro-BDS and who, who do not support the state of Israel or, or the plight of the Jewish people. So I think that this is less about, even though it applies to Catholic schools, I think that it's less about Catholic schools. This is more targeted toward uh, religious Jews in particular. And I, for one, am offended by that. And I believe that if we stand by and allow the government to sanction harassment against religious Jewish schools, well, then the Catholic schools will be next. And they're going to come to St. Helens where my daughter goes and say, we can't teach about the Trinity or we can't teach about uh, the Beatitudes. We can't teach about the gospel. We have to spend more time on math and physics and, and science and everything else. The Catholic schools are doing a great job. Yeshivas are doing an excellent job educating kids. I, I joked around with somebody just the other day. I said there's no shortage of Jewish doctors, lawyers, and accountants last time I checked. And most of them that I know, they graduated from the yeshiva system. So whatever they're doing, it must be working. But now the government wants to harass them. I think it's wrong, and I'm not going to allow it. So a lot of, just help me understand, and you're, the council and a lot of your friends i mean personally and a lot of my friends you know, they're they're self-styled progressives they call themselves progressives i, I don't know if self-styled might not sound like such a nice way to say it they call themselves progressive but at the same time they have a lot of tolerance for everybody wanting to do whatever they want except for people who are religious and want to practice their religion why do you why do you think it stops there and and i i only ask you not as an expert on these issues but i ask you as somebody who's part of a body that's pretty progressive i mean new york city council is known for being pretty left-wing so, you know, where do you think that comes from? I think that the last acceptable form of prejudice in this country is religious bigotry and discrimination against religious people. There are folks in this country, in public office, in the media, in Hollywood, and in other places, that 
choose to follow their conscience or live according to their religious beliefs. And they are targeted by the establishment, by the media. They are targeted by their bosses or their employers sometimes. And this sometimes has to do with some of the social issues. Uh, and sometimes it has to do with the more you know, deeply personal issues. But for whatever reason, we are choosing as a society to accept the fact that it's okay to discriminate people based upon their religious beliefs. And I think that's wrong, considering that this country was founded on religious liberty and the rights of people to express themselves in a free and open and pluralistic society. So let's get into politics for a second. I mean, you're trying, once again, we said it's a wide open 17 candidate race. What do you see as the path to victory, okay, to put together that group, 400,000 voters? How do you say, okay, you might have a large turnout from the Jewish population, but again, it's a Republican, it's uphill, it, it might not be party labels. Where, where do you see your path to victory, and, uh, and given your success in the past as a running as a city councilman? We are going to unite communities of interest in this race, and what we are doing is building a bipartisan and broad coalition of support that no other campaign I think is going to be able to match. If we have, for instance, Irish Catholics, Italian Catholics, religious Jews in Brooklyn and Queens, and we have Republicans in Staten Island, uh, and we have support on the Upper East Side of Manhattan and Northeast Queens and Kew Gardens and other communities that sometimes are considered reliably Democratic or leaning Democratic, I believe that they will vote for us and they will support us for the simple reason that they are sick and tired of Mayor de Blasio, his absenteeism, and some of his you know, borderline socialist policies that are going to kill jobs and small businesses in the city and that are going to hurt the middle class. There's no question that there is a palpable sense out there that people feel like de Blasio is doing a bad job and he needs to be held accountable, and I'm the only one in this race out of the 17 that is going to do just that. So I think I have bipartisan appeal, and I believe that there are going to be a lot of Democrats in Democratic neighborhoods who will vote for us on Election Day. And I think that our victory on February 26th will send shockwaves throughout the country that in the bluest of blue cities, we could elect a sensible, common-sense Republican to a citywide office. I think it's a referendum on de Blasio. It would be a stunning rejection of his, of his borderline socialist policies. I mean, when the mayor says that the money's in the wrong hands, what does that even mean? I mean, like, is this communism? At what point do people wake up and realize enough is enough and we have to do something about it? I believe we're at that point, and February 26th is people's opportunity to have their voice heard. So just to mention a... Uh, unfortunate tragedy last night in a friendly fire incident. Um, the a NYPD detective was was killed. Um, Brian Simonson, I believe, is the name. If I got that correct, uh, not didn't happen in your district, but the precinct located in your district. Um, you know, one of the things that a lot of you, that you hear out there is that the support. Uh, a lot of, uh, well, you even saw that at the debate, a lot of your colleagues kind of falling over themselves to be against bail and, uh, you know, things like that, against really not standing with the men in blue. 
Uh, is that is that really true, or is that just political spin, or do or do the actually the people out there in the field, the men in blue who are in law enforcement, not feel that the public officials here in New York City have their back? What happened last night uh, was a terrible tragedy. Yet another detective, police officer in the city was killed in the line of duty. I think the entire city mourns uh, the loss of. This hero who was responding to an armed robbery, a call. Uh, he wasn't even supposed to be in work yesterday. Uh, he was not supposed to be on duty yesterday. And he went in to catch up on some paperwork. And he rushed out to the scene of a crime. And he never made it home last night. And he leaves behind a family. And I, I mourn with the rest of the city. I pray for his family, for his children, for his mother, who apparently is still living. This is a 19-year veteran of the police force uh, who could have retired in one year and started the next chapter of his life. And that was cut short by the fact that we live in a very dangerous city and police officers do a very dangerous job. And I talk to a lot of cops in all five boroughs and I have to say that the morale in the police department is at an all-time low. They really don't feel like the mayor has their back. Now, the mayor did not cause this to happen. I am not suggesting for a second that de Blasio condones what happened. Certainly, uh, that would be very irresponsible and simply untrue. But at the same time, I believe that the police department and the men and women of the NYPD who do an extraordinary job keeping our families and our communities safe, they deserve to know that we have their back and that we support them in good times and in bad. Right now is a bad time. It's a terrible tragedy. But in the good times, and hopefully there are more good times than bad times, but in the good times, we have to have their back uh, in those times as well. It's not enough just to say, we're going to pray for you. You're my thoughts and prayers during the difficult times. When the difficult times um, are not here, we also need to support law enforcement. And I support law enforcement. This is Spin Class here on the Nachum Siegel Network. We're talking to New York City Councilman Eric Ulrich of the 32nd District, uh, serving Southern Queens and the Rockaways, running for public advocate, the election coming up on February the 26th. Uh, talk for a second also about Israel. We mentioned BDS earlier. Uh, I know Israel is not always a campaign issue, but you're, being pro-Israel is kind of a prerequisite, has always been a prerequisite for, for office in New York and New York State and New York City. Is that eroding? We see some politicians out there within the Democratic Party uh, who are, let's say, less than what we would consider pro-Israel and some of their predecessors. As you mentioned, a congresswoman from Minnesota made very hurtful anti-Semitic comments. She's a wacko. She's a wacko. But you, we even see some erosion of the pro-Israel position here in New York uh, amongst uh, amongst local politicians. And if I, it can happen here, it can happen anywhere. I am deeply concerned about that, Michael. I believe in the state of Israel. I support the state of Israel. I believe that we need to stand united uh, with the Jewish people behind the Jewish state. Uh, in New York to think that we would ever be at this point. You're right. You are 100% right that we would be at the point where we have elected officials who are openly hostile to the state of Israel. Uh, two weeks ago, we had the APAC dinner at Lincoln Center. You and I were there. There's 17 candidates in this race. I was the only candidate running for public advocate to show up to APAC. Now, there were other Democrats there, by the way. You had sure. Letitia James. You had the district attorneys. You had other council members. You had state senators, all of whom are Democrats. This was not a partisan event. It was a nonpartisan event. But I was single, the single, only 
candidate running for public advocate to attend APAC and to show my support uh, for the state of Israel. I think it's rather unfortunate uh, because for a long time this was a bipartisan issue, but it seems less and less the case. I think the, the left wing of the Democratic Party, led by AOC and her crazy friend in uh, Michigan, um, Rashida Tlaib. Exactly. She, uh, I think that they are hijacking the Democratic Party, and it's a shame because I think that they represent a more radical worldview, and they don't understand how important Israel is as a friend and ally. It's our only true friend and ally in the Middle East. I've been there twice, uh, and I, I have seen the threat of terror that the Jewish people live under, and, and it, is, it is nothing short of miraculous that the state of Israel exists and, and that people are still able to live there, for the most part, peacefully, and raise their families there, and, and, and call the, the state of Israel home. It's a home for the Jewish people. So um, I think we have a moral obligation to stand up for Israel. As public advocate, I'll stand up for Israel. I will never shy away from that. And uh, I'm a Zionist. If people don't like that, if you don't, if, if you don't like the state of Israel, don't vote for me. I'm not going to make apologies and say different things to different people. I support the state of Israel, and I will never back down from that. Let's, uh, as we draw to a close of this, uh, talk a little bit about the elephant in the room, which is President Trump. Many of our listeners are uh, ardently pro-Trump because, uh, you know, for a number of reasons, you know, the Orthodox community tends to be Republican in voting, as well as uh, him moving the embassy. Um, something that I went to Israel for last May, and I'm extremely gratified that he did so. But you're kind of, you're known, I don't know if I want to call you a ne- never-Trumper, but you were not uh, part of the, uh, you were not on the Trump train, as uh, some of your colleagues were, uh, the Republicans here in New York City. So talk for a second about, you know, how, what the president, what should people who are, who, who are supporters of the president, how should they feel about your candidacy? Well, I would hope that they would still support me. I was, as you mentioned, uh, critical of the president when he was running for president. I, that's because I was backing Governor John Kasich in the Republican primary. Uh, he was not successful, and Donald Trump won the nomination and became president of the United States. I said this on TV the other day. I support a lot of the things that Donald Trump does. I like the fact that he moved the embassy uh, to Jerusalem. I like the fact that he wants to create uh, jobs and keep our country safe and build up our military and, and have fairer trade deals and level the playing field with China and other companies that have been taking advantage for us for far too long. You know, there are going to be a lot of issues where we disagree, though. More importantly, Michael, is the fact that the job of the public advocate is not to stand up to the president of the United States, whether or not he happens to be in my own party. It's to stand up to the mayor of the city of New York. The public advocate is a check on the mayor, not the president. And part of the reason why we have so many problems in New York is that all the politicians here, from the governor down to the mayor and all of our local elected officials, they are obsessed with Donald Trump. They are foaming at the mouth. Everything the president does, he wakes up on the right side of the bed. They say he should have woke up on the left side of the bed. They are more focused on things that they have no control over. And they are less focused on fixing the subways, on making necessary repairs at NYCHA, on reducing homelessness in our city, on managing a fiscally responsible budget, on keeping the city uh, safe, on all of the things that we do have control over, building affordable housing, so many issues that the mayor and other elected officials do have a direct say over. They pay little to no attention 
to because they're obsessed with Donald Trump. And what I'm saying is, wouldn't it be great to have an elected official in the city of New York that was actually focused on fixing city issues and addressing city problems and not trying to pander to the left-wing base of the Democratic Party or constituencies outside of New York because they're trying to run for higher office? At what point is enough enough already? If you want someone who is auditioning to run for president or some other office, again, you have 15 or 16 other candidates to choose from. If you want someone who's going to stand up to the mayor and this radical, borderline socialist policies that are coming out of City Hall, I'm asking for your vote in the nonpartisan special election Tuesday, February 26th. So last question, I guess you kind of covered it for a second when when that. But why do you why what can you say to the average person out there who says, ah, it's the public advocate, you know, does it really affect my life? Uh, or they just say, look, it's February. It's 26. I'll, maybe I'll worry about it in November. I'm not used to voting in February. It doesn't really matter. Why? Why should somebody be motivated to say, oh, I got to vote. I got to put this on my calendar. If I'm not home, I got to vote absentee. All these things. Why is it so important that people participate in these types of elections? This election in particular is critical to the future of our city. The public advocate is the second highest elected official in the city of New York. If God forbid something were to happen to Mayor de Blasio or Mayor de Blasio became incapacitated for whatever reason, the public advocate becomes the mayor of the city of New York. It's like being vice president. So if people want Jumani Williams as the next mayor of the city of New York, then they ought to vote for Jumani Williams for public advocate or Melissa Mark Vavrito or one of these other radical uh, candidates that are in the race. This election and this position in a time like this is too important for people to stay home. And if you care about your communities and you have common sense like I do, then this is a no-brainer. You've got to come out and vote in the special election. You can't allow other New Yorkers and other voters to make that choice for you. You have to come out and vote. You must come out and vote on February 26th. And as you said, the Jewish community has a particularly uh, strong, uh, has an opportunity here to really decide this election. You know, in what other election would the Jewish community be the deciding factor? In this election, they actually have the chance to play the role of the kingmaker. In every other election, you're drowned out by a million other votes citywide, and sometimes the candidates don't even go to Borough Park. They don't go to the five towns of Far Rockway. They don't go to Kew Gardens. They don't go to Crown Heights. They don't go to Williamsburg. They don't go to Flatbush or Midwood or other con you know areas where there are concentrations of uh, Jewish voters and Jewish families. So... In this election, your vote is even more powerful and more meaningful, and that's why we're trying to remind everybody about how important this election is and the role that they can play in sending a message to de Blasio and to the powers that be that the Jewish community will not be taken for granted. Jewish voters and Jewish families will no longer be treated as second-class citizens of the city, and to have someone like me, who is not from the from community, no pun intended, I had to play on words, I am not. That's good. Good. From the from. I like from that. From the from community. To have someone like me as the strongest ally that you could possibly have, I believe could be truly significant and a game changer for the Jewish community. Okay. Councilman Eric Ulrich here on Spin Class. Reminder to everybody out there if you live in New York City, unfortunately, you live in New Jersey or elsewhere or even Long Island. 
you're not eligible to vote in this election. But if anybody, you in, if you live in Lakewood, you can't vote in this exactly, election. Exactly, no Lakewood. Okay. But I will say, as opposed to most New York City elections, this is a reminder: you can vote if you're Republican, if you're Democrat, if you're an Independence Party member, or if you have no party registration at all. You can vote on February 26th. Most elections in New York City are closed primaries. This one is not. Please mark your calendars and come out and vote on February 26th, the special election for public advocate. Eric Orwich, thank you very much for joining us here on Spin Class. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs.